Hey there, Veg Zeners. Welcome back to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious for sharing tips for living a healthier plant-based lifestyle. I am one of your hosts today, Vicki. And this is Larissa. Now, spring will be here before we know it, so it's time to start planning this year's gardens. With that in mind, on this episode of the Vegetarian Zen Podcast, we're going to welcome back Megan Kane, otherwise known as the creative vegetable gardener. Now, if you've been listening to us for a while, you may remember that Megan first visited with us on episode 113, and that was way back in August of 2015. Wow, we've been podcasting a long time now. We have. (laughs) (laughs) This time around, we're excited to announce that Megan has just published an interactive ebook called The Smart Start Garden Planner that's going to help you to learn the basics of garden planning, to include laying out your garden, choosing what to grow, buying seeds, knowing when and how to plant, and much more. And I will tell you, as soon as I started to read through her book, I realized some of the, the mistakes you and I have made in the past. And I am determined that All this year... All of the mistakes we've made. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, so this year, I'm determined to approach it a bit more strategically. <laughs> but uh, okay, without further ado, let's get into the interview with Megan Kane. Hey, this is Vicki and Larissa. And today on the show, we are welcoming back the creative vegetable gardener, Megan Kane. Hi, Megan. Welcome. Hi, hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, Happy I'm so glad to have you back. Yeah, I know the last time you were here was, gosh, way back in August of 2015, I think. Way back in episode 113. Yeah, a while ago. Yeah, yeah it was. So we're, we're really happy to have you back. And so today we're going to be talking about your new book, The Smart Start Garden Planner. And I had to practice that because that is a mouthful <laughs> there. <laughs> Smart Start Garden Planner. And it is your step-by-step uh, guide to a successful season, which uh, we are determined to have one this year, I think. Right, Larissa? <laughs> this is yeah, something and- we admittedly are not very good at. <laughs> Right. And, you know, I was talking to Megan before, uh, while you were setting up the audio before we started recording. And, uh, you know, I was saying what a horrible, how bad I am at this. And, and, uh, you know, Megan actually gave me some, she made me feel a little better because, uh, you know, I do all of our stuff in in containers. And uh, what Megan, what you were saying is that once I'm able to do in-ground vegetable gardening, uh, it'll probably be quite a bit easier. So that may be because there are a lot of variables that go into container gardening, right? Yeah, I do think containers and I, and containers are getting more popular because I think there's a lot of younger people that live in more urban areas. So if that's your only option, I think it's definitely worth it to try containers. But I was telling Larissa that my sister lived in Philadelphia, downtown, pretty urban area, and she was learning how to garden. And so she was trying containers because she didn't even have a yard. And and it wasn't easy. And she did have some struggles. And I kept saying, someday when you have a house with a backyard, you're going to you're gonna know, you'll, you'll learn that it's... Uh, that it's a, a little bit easier to do it when you're actually doing it right into the, your yard or into a raised bed. Right. So, so I think if there are people out there listening that are struggling with containers, it's not necessarily all you, um, because I think containers they're difficult because they dry out really quickly. So you have to be pretty vigilant, especially where you all live, which is a yes. very hot climate. Where I live for in Wisconsin. 
still I have to pay attention to my containers in the heat of the summer because they tend to dry out really quickly. Um, and that, and, and when you're growing some flowers and things like that, that sometimes they don't mind as much, but vegetable vegetables are, they're kind of divas. They need, they need very particular conditions and they're kind of, you know, they're, they're more labor intensive than plopping a bunch of succulents into a a pot. And then if you forget to water them for a few days, usually they're fine. But if you forget to water a pepper plant for a few days, you might kill it. That's true. (laughs) I, and and I have many. Exhibit A. (laughs) (laughs) um, One of the things that popped out and we were talking a little bit before we started recording here is I was really impressed with the quality of the book, Megan. The pictures are gorgeous. I mean, really awesome. And uh, again, I'm not one for false compliments, but I mean, this is just really beautiful, beautifully done. Um, one of the things that I noticed right off the bat when I started uh, reading the book was I really like the way you have worksheets in the book because I think that's really important that you're actually – it's one thing to read you know, the information, which is really great information, but it's another thing to actually – you're helping people get started planning. Right. Yeah, so, I wanted it to be like a more interactive book. And I, and really, it's all about the person who's reading it. Right. You know, like I can't I can't tell you this is this should be your garden plan. This is what you should do. I have no idea because I don't I don't know you <laughs> mm-hmm. unless I know unless it's someone I know reading the book. But you know, most of the people that are going to read my book, I don't know your specific situation. I don't know your yard. I don't know what you like to eat. So I can't tell you what you should be growing. So it's really about leading people through the process, their own process of planning their garden so that they can think about what do they eat? What do they, what do they want to grow? And just helping people kind of understand. I I feel like the book is trying to help people understand different aspects of the vegetables and of gardening so that then the readers can make their own educated decisions about what they want to do in their garden this year. Right. And, and, you know, let's, let's mention uh, real quick that the book is available in, in two formats. It's available as an ebook, uh, and it's also available in print. And, you know, I think that that's, that's really, really valuable too, because, you know, the ebook, um, the, the worksheets are actually interactive. So you can, you can do the worksheets, uh, in the book, correct? That's correct. Yep. You can print them out if you're the kind of person that likes to Mm -hmm. just write. Um, or you can, yeah, my graphic designer turned them into editable worksheets. So you can type right into the worksheet if you want to. Which is amazing. I love that. But, you know, I, I also love uh, print books. So, you know, you've got both options. Um, and then, uh, okay. So I had a question. So the, the book is based on your concept of what you call the smart garden. So what exactly is a smart garden? So a smart garden, I think, is one that you get the most amount of food, really, or whatever you want out of your garden. But most of us want food out of our vegetable gardens for the least amount of work possible. That makes sense. (laughs) Um, So I love gardening and it's a big part of my life, but I don't want to spend my entire life in my garden during the season. I live in Wisconsin and, you know, the winter is long and cold and dreary. And so when we we have spring, summer and fall, I want to be out like riding my bike and going camping and going to barbecues and festivals. So I don't want to feel like, oh, I can't do anything because I have to garden. So I... I think a smart garden is being strategic about it, which I talk about in the book, um, trying to figure out what things you think are the most worth it to grow, 
what vegetables give you the most bang for your buck so that you can plant something and then get lo- get lots of food from the same plant for many months. Um, so yeah, just something, just a garden where you feel like you're getting the most out of your garden, but you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours every week in order to get that, that output and that harvest. Right. So I know like one example that you had in the book was, so if you, if you plant an onion, you get one onion, right? (laughs) But if you plant a tomato plant, you get lots of tomatoes. So that's a good example, right? Right, exactly. So that's one of my favorite stories that I often tell it when I teach classes and workshops that my sister, who I had mentioned earlier, was learning how to garden. And she called me one night and said, when you, when I plant an onion, how many onions do I get? Uh-huh. And I thought, wow, that's, <laughs> a, that's an amazing question. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized I, I think about all of that in my head because I'm a more experienced gardener. But it's only because it's something that I've learned over my years of gardening. And so then I thought, oh, yeah, when you're a new gardener or a somewhat new gardener, you might not think about the vegetables in those terms. And I realized that's how I'm deciding whether I'm going to grow things or not based on some of that information. Like, well, how much food am I going to get from this plant? And is it worth it? So like on the opposite end of the spectrum would be kale. So mm-hmm. here in my garden, I plant kale in April and I can harvest it the entire season all the way until like November or oh. so that from one plant, I can be c- continually harvesting kale because the k- plant just keeps growing and keeps putting on new leaves and I can just keep harvesting kale. Huh. So the, and, but you might not like, you know, someone might not like kale and say, well, I don't care. That's not worth it for me to grow. But, right. and someone might love onions because in my garden, I actually love growing onions. And a lot of people might say, oh, it's not worth it to grow onions because they're not very expensive at the grocery store. I'd rather save the space for something else. But in my garden, I say, well, I actually really love growing onions. So it is worth it to me to grow onions. So so there's a, a certain part of it that's very personal, that whether you think it's worth it to grow something or not, you might not care that you only get one onion if you plant one onion. Like right. me, me, I don't really care. I'll still plant them anyway. Right. And you do devote quite a bit of the book to, you know, all of that, which I think is great. I, I think that really will help uh, new gardeners, but even, you know, gardeners who have some experience to, to, make better use or, you know, maximize their space for what they have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Megan. Well, I was just going to say that's kind of who it's geared towards. So people who have some gardening experience, but are ready to kind of, I don't know, like take it to the next level or, or look at their garden in a different way. And they're ready to say like, okay, I learned a, a bit about gardening and now I'm ready to really try to get the most food possible out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since we were talking about space uh, I, and planning, we had a question from one of our uh, Peas and Carrots members, which is our closed Facebook group. Mm-hmm. As you know, Megan, I think you're part of that group as well, right? I am. Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. So we had a question from Stephanie Buford, and she's been one of our longtime Peas and Carrots members. And she said, gardens for small spaces or for people who rent and can't exactly have a large space for gardening, easy things to plant and grow for small spaces or tips for raised gardens or how to keep snails from eating everything. LOL. I had this problem last summer. <laughs> <laughs> so those are quite, those are questions that she had. And just yeah. to, just to let you know, Megan, she is actually here in San Antonio. So she has the same, the same yeah. challenges with, yeah. yeah with the of course stuff. this year, we're going to have the challenge of a, um, 
puppy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to try to keep things away from too. So. Right. But anyways, any, any, anything you can offer there for Stephanie? Yeah. So I think a little bit like we talked about with uh, earlier with containers, two of the big things are make sure you keep your containers watered. It's certainly when you live in a hot area, you're going to have to it's sometimes, you know, if I lived where you lived, I might try to put my some of my containers somewhere where they would get maybe afternoon shade mm-hmm. so that they're not getting totally cooked. I would probably try to maybe make sure they're not on like the south side of against your house. Um, because they're anywhere that's going to reflect a lot of heat and light back onto the plant. So mm-hmm. it, up here in a northern climate, I might actually want to put some of my plants next to my south side so that they get extra heat and light. But but you're you have, it's so hot where you all live that I might try to push some of my containers into partial shade or <clears throat> the east side of my house where. Mm-hmm. I, they in the those months where it's the hottest of the year, um, and if you have problems or you know just if you have trouble keeping up with watering your pots, you could try like soaker hoses on a timer where you wouldn't then you wouldn't have to remember to go out. You can either you, you know you can go out into any big box store and get pretty cheap soaker hoses and maybe wind them around your pots and then put them on a timer. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's and a good idea. That is a maybe good idea. Try to experiment with that um and then the other big trick to containers that since they're being watered so often and a lot of times the water is flushing through the containers then a lot of the nutrients are leaching out and so you have to pay attention and make sure you're fertilizing probably every you know two to three weeks to make sure that there's enough nutrients in the soil in the pot so that the plants can continue to grow um and then like I said before, container gardening is becoming a lot more popular. And so a lot of the seed companies and the plant breeders are tr- are coming out with new varieties for containers. I was actually at a store yesterday and they had some seeds. So I was looking at the seeds and I saw some, I, I think it was peas, like a really short pea variety that was specifically for containers. So I think in the plant and seed world, this is actually a really good time to be gardening in containers because the seed companies and the plant breeders are really paying attention to kind of like that urban population of younger people that don't necessarily have big yards where they mm-hmm. can garden. And so there's a lot more varieties now, which, is, which will, would, will be kind of fun for all the container gardeners. Awesome. All right. Well, Stephanie, I hope that answered some of your questions. And, uh, you know, Stephanie um, is also a member of, uh, well, you're obviously the Peas and Carrots Society. And, and uh, um, Stephanie, if you have other questions, um, head on over there and, and ask and we'll see if we can get some answers. Yeah, I'm always, that's one of my favorite things to do is talk about gardening. So feel free to <laughs> ask more questions. Awesome. I, I did have a, a, a tag, tag on question of what she asked. She did ask about snails and we have had mm-hmm. some issues with garden pests in the past. What, how do you keep pests out of your garden? So it's, it's difficult to keep pests out of your garden. I struggle with pests as well. I think most people that have gardens do. Uh-huh. And in a way, you know, that's a good thing because it means you're not spraying chemicals yeah. all over your <laughs> garden. <laughs> and it's not completely dead. Uh-huh. Um, I am an, I am an organic gardener, so I don't use chemicals. Um, the, the biggest tip I think I really have is that you, if you're having trouble with pests, you need to figure out what pest it is and then do some research about it because there's not one 
solution for every single pest. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, I have a lot of cabbage moths, which are these little white moths that fl- flit around my garden all summer and they lay eggs on, uh, mostly my kale, uh, but anything in that category. So broccoli and cabbage, they lay eggs and then the eggs hatch and then these little green worms come out and then they just eat holes <laughs> in the kale leaves. So what I did, so I knew that, so if you didn't know what it was, so you would eventually try to figure out how do you identify what this is. And then what I usually do is Google cabbage moth organic gardening. Because mm. I want something that's going to come up that's going to tell me a non-chemical right. solution. And then I read about the pest. Okay, how does it, you know, wh- what's its life cycle? and. Where does it lay its eggs and how does it live and how does it reproduce? And so then I realized, okay, if I just use some row cover, which is a light white fabric that you can put over plants where the sun gets through and the water gets through, but the insects can't get through. So, and you can handpick these. So a lot of things you can handpick, but I just, I just didn't have time to handpick them. And so they were destroying my kale and I really love kale. So last year I decided I'm just going to put row cover. I'm going to plant kale. I'm going to put row cover over it. And I'm actually just going to keep the row cover there for, for the entire season. And so the moths couldn't get at the plant, Mm. then they couldn't lay their eggs. And then I had this pristine kale this year (laughs) Oh, nice! that had no, really no, I mean, I had a few holes in it because I think there were other things, you know, there was whatever, soil insects, but, and then I had a whole bunch of kale that I left out because I didn't want to put row cover over everything, all the kale. uh, And that just got destroyed. By the end of the season, it was just full of holes. Hmm. And so that would be my biggest suggestion is to get to figure out what pests are you dealing with the other thing and I've done in the past when I can't figure out exactly what's happening I, I've gone out at night with a headlamp <laughs> and <laughs> looked around at my beds and it's actually really fascinating hmm. to see what the heck is going on at night and and I had I had something that was just destroying my seedlings last spring and so I and I couldn't figure out what it was because I, I wasn't seeing anything and so I went out at night and I there was pill bugs, those little roly poly. Oh yeah, pill oh, bugs we have those everywhere. Oh my god, they are just attacking my plants. Huh. And but they weren't out during the day. Really, I mean, I would see them a little bit here and there, but it wasn't until night when I went out that I I figured I figured out what the, what was going on. So huh. so That's sometimes crazy. you have to do a little sleuthing around <laughs> your garden. Um, which is kind of fun, and I actually yeah. that that one night I I was I said I yelled into my husband, "Come outside! You have to look at this. This is crazy." <laughs> it's kind of like being a kid again when you're like doing detective <laughs> detective work. Right, right. I was horrified and fascinated at the same time. <laughs> oh, hey Megan, uh, you're going to be hosting a planning party on your Facebook group for gardeners coming up pretty soon, right? Maybe yeah. So tell us a little yeah, about so I that. Feel like. Some people, when they hear garden planning, they're like, I hate planning. I'm not a planner. So that was part of the intent with this book is that planning doesn't have to be this big, long thing where you sit down for hours and hours and have to plan every little single thing about your garden. It's just putting some thought into it before the season begins and deciding what you're going to grow and which varieties and having your seeds ready. Um, But and it can be fun this time of year. Certainly, if you live in a more northern climate like I do, where we still have snow on the ground and the ground is frozen, 
this it's a fun time of year to think about your garden. Garden planning can actually be fun. So in that with that thought, I decided, well, why don't I host a free planning party? Uh, I have a free Facebook group, just like your uh-huh. and carrots, where it's private, but anybody can join. Uh-huh. Uh, we have lots of lots of gardeners from all over the country and a little bit from all over the world. And so we're just going to be, it's going to be a lot about everybody sharing, like what varieties are you growing and how do you plan your garden and where do you keep your seeds? And hopefully people will be sharing some pictures of things. And, um, and then maybe people can connect with people who are in their own area to see what varieties um, work in certain areas. So just, it's just for fun and to just get people excited and motivated to do a little bit of garden planning. So you don't need to have the book. You're, you're welcome to, to join with or without the book. We'll probably be talking about the book a little bit, but we'll be talking about all kinds of stuff having to do with garden planning. Great. So what's, what's the, uh, what's the group name? So it's actually, uh, facebook.com then i think it's groups but it's called make your harvest last make your harvest last okay i'll send you a link and then uh, yeah and i can also also post it in the peas and carrots oh yeah that would be fantastic yeah well and we'll put it on our our facebook page our our page for vegetarians and we'll we'll put it everywhere (laughs) we'll put it in our (laughs) newsletter we'll just put it everywhere all right (laughs) all right Um, and then uh you have a membership site also and uh tell us a little bit about that yeah i have i also run an online garden club so it's called the flavorful life garden club and it's uh, a great community of folks we actually have people from all over the world we have a member from saudi arabia which is fascinating wow um so to see her garden and she likes to to post little videos and tours of her garden which is really fun especially this time of year when it hurt she's you know her garden looks lush and beautiful and my garden is <laughs> covered in snow so it's nice to live vicariously through her but um it's for so we have a private facebook group that's that's more active than my free facebook group where we're you know i'm posting tips and i answer everybody's questions and people answer each other's questions and share about their gardens and then each season we have a master class which is usually a series of videos. So right now it's planning your garden. So I film a bunch of videos. During the season, I film all the videos out in my garden and kind of teach different things. Um, I keep the videos really short. They're usually like six minutes or less, little bite-sized things, often with worksheets, just like my book. Um, And then we have community challenges. This this quarter, we're going to have a challenge for everybody to start their own seeds if they want to um, and walk through the process. Um, we cook recipes together and review them. Sometimes we take on projects like we, whoever wanted to, we built little trellises um, for our gardens and then shared pictures. We did a seed swap over the through the mail. So just lots of fun activities, um, a way to kind of get to know a group of gardeners in a deeper way, and also to de- to delve a little bit more deeply into gardening for people that really want to kind of up their up their gardening game. Uh, that sounds for very the motivational. That gives yeah, me hope again for this year. <laughs> We're gonna keep I know. I swore after after last season, I swore that I was done. But uh, you know, if with Vicky's encouragement and help, maybe we can maybe we can do it because she's yeah. she's a lot better planner than I am, and and uh, yeah, so maybe we can we can do it. And well, you know I what's so funny is so we have a productivity podcast too, and we talk a lot about the importance of planning, planning your day, that kind of thing. <laughs> and when I started reading your book, and you were talking about planning, I thought, we've never done that. 
<laughs> we just never <laughs> sat down. We just more like, you know, we went to the store and saw something we liked and just decided to grab it and didn't really think about, we didn't really have a plan for it and didn't really look into what we need to do to be able to take care of it in our part of the United States. So, right, yeah, right. I think I think being more strategic, and I like that, that part of it anyways, um, so maybe Larissa... We'll do it this year. We'll do something. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it together. Yeah. And, you know, just to, on the productivity podcast, just to, uh, as an aside, I am normally the case study for what not to do on the productivity <laughs> podcast. So, you know, just saying. But, uh, well, I think you're not alone. I think it, that's very common that people just, you know, it's like the weather warms up and they just rush out to the their local nursery and just like grab a bunch of things and throw them in their basket or their cart and be like, uh-huh. hey, this is what I'm growing this year. So I think a lot of people do it that way. Uh-huh. And if that's the way you do it and it works for you, then by all means, keep doing it. But I think what I learned over the years is that I felt like the, the most successful gardeners I knew were people that were prepared for the season that made some even very simple small plans spent some time going through seed catalogs ordered their seeds decided what they were going to grow um and then i thought there's a theme here the people who are (laughs) are doing some planning um and and if you think about i've worked on some vegetable farms and farmers spend a lot of the winter planning like they plan out not and not every farmer but the farmers that i worked with would plan out every single thing you know all the weeks and what they're going to do and what they're going to plant where because it's a business and they have I worked for a lot of CSA farms so they had a lot of people they were feeding that were relying on them every week and so they had to make sure like okay we have this all dialed in we're totally prepared and I thought well that's one of the reasons why they're successful not just because they're doing it for a business but because they're planning out the whole season and so then that kind of convinced me like well what could I take from that as a gardener and like and see like how could I act a little bit like a farmer because I would see the farms that I worked on I was like well they're having huge successes and some failures as well because that's part of gardening but but I thought well I want to have huge huge successes too so I'm going to try to borrow some of their planning right and you know that kind of ties in perfectly with um something else that's in your book and you talk about record keeping so, you know, not anything yeah. super elaborate, but just like the basics of record keeping, like, um, uh, you know, when you plant things and when you you um, fertilize and things like that. Right. Yeah. So I'm a big proponent of record keeping. Again, really, really simple. If you saw my record keeping, you'd probably laugh because it's got like water. St- so I have a I have a map of my garden and it's got like water stains and oh, that's awesome things though. Are, that's, like, that's smeared and um, so I use it. I take it out to the garden whenever I plant, and I usually write down the the date and the variety of what I plant, and then so usually how many or. Um, so I over the years now I I am much more familiar with what works and what doesn't work in my garden because I've forced myself to pay attention by keeping records, um, and. So, for example, I always plant spinach for the fall and about the second or third week in August. And it's only because I kept records over the years when I would plant it that I knew that that was the I over time I realized, okay, that's the best time to plant spinach. It always does really well when I plant it second or third week in August. And and yeah, it's only because I've kept track over the years. And also, I think it's for varieties, because um, I pay a lot of attention to the varieties, because if I'm going to plant something, 
a certain kind of pepper or eggplant, I want to make sure that I'm planting something that performs well because you you invest a lot of time in a plant. I mean, you think about you plant a pepper seedling and it takes 75, 80, 90 days until you get a pepper. So three months or more, if you're starting your own seeds, are are invested in this pepper. And I don't want to plant varieties that aren't going to give me peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pay a lot of attention to how varieties perform. So I, I'm always trying new varieties. And then I also have my favorite varieties. Um, but I'm always on the lookout for my new favorite varieties. So that way you can, if you keep track, because I think what used to happen to me is I would plant something and then I would say, well, that tomato didn't taste very good or it didn't do very well I would I'd never plant it again you're like well too bad I don't know what the heck it is because I lost the tag or I never Mm -hmm. wrote it wrote it down or on the flip side you you plant something that you love but you have no idea what it is because you lost the tag which I used to do or didn't write it down so it helps you repeat your successes because you know what they are and then you can eliminate the things that aren't going well, whether it's mm-hmm. variety or date or, you know, the date you planted it, you maybe you realized you planted it too late. So, so it doesn't have to be anything, anything complicated, um, but just some kind of simple record keeping so that you can, you again, going back to like, so you can be more strategic about planning mm-hmm. your garden and what you're going to do in your garden each year. Yeah, and right. then a failure isn't so much a failure because you're just trying different things, and right. you're, you know you could say, well, that didn't work, <laughs> but at least you yeah. know because we, I know too, Larissa, and you probably know this too. We've been doing this, trying to do the same things the same way oh, over yeah. and over again. That's the definition oh, of yeah. insanity, right? <laughs> right. Hoping it's gonna work, <laughs> and it, and it doesn't work out, but maybe we just need to try it a different way. Right. So when right. you, yeah. but we don't know that because you know. You, we don't keep records, but I am determined now to <laughs> to do better this year. <laughs> right. All yeah. Right. And, I, and I think that's a good point. There's no, there is no such thing as a garden without mistakes. I just uh-huh. spoke at a, I, te- I speak and teach a lot of conferences this time of year. And I just did one on Friday and afterwards someone came up and I have, if you get my book, you'll see that I have a lot of nice pictures and on my website and I take a lot of those pictures and a woman came up afterwards and she said, all right, so you show all these beautiful pictures, like you talk about gardening, you you make it look like, you know, your garden is perfect. What's what's the real story? <laughs> she wanted to see, she wanted to see the B-roll of the right. film, right? <laughs> And I said, well, I think that's a good point. And on my blog, I do talk about mistakes that I make and things like that. And I said, well, first of all, when you speak at a conference, nobody wants to like <laughs> see all the ugly pictures of your garden. Yeah, right. uh, exactly. But and I do have a class that I teach that is the ten ten mistakes I've made in my uh-huh. garden. So, but but what I said is there there is no such thing. I mean, if you go into gardening expecting that it's all going to be perfect and there's never going to be a quote unquote failure or you're not going to lose something to an insect. It's just, it's just part of gardening. Right. And it's, and I always say like, it's part, there's a certain amount of magic that's involved in gardening. Like even if you keep records, even if you do, even if I plant spinach on the third week in August, maybe one year, it's not going to work out for whatever reason. Sometimes I don't even know what the reason is. It just, sometimes things just don't work. And you don't even really know why, even if you're a really experienced gardener. And I saw that on the farms that I worked on. Like, just because you have everything planned out, just because you're an expert gardener or farmer doesn't mean that 100% of everything goes 
right to plan, which is just like life. It's a good life lesson. (laughs) Things just sometimes happen. So, so one of my, in the garden club, I had a call with some of the members and one of them said, what I feel like you do is that you invite people to be imperfect with you. Right. And I thought, Oh, that's a really nice way to put it. She's like, she said, the more I got to know you and your garden, I realized like your garden's not perfect. You have, you have problems too. You know, um, I really like that vibe because that's a lot of how we are as well. So, you know, with our whole vegetarian Zen vibe, we tell people you're not going to be perfect. There might be a time where you crave meat and you eat it. Or you might just be a reducitarian. Or you might be, you know, there's all sorts of different people. And, uh, yeah, so it's the same kind of vibe. We invite people to be imperfect. I love that. I love that uh, the description. Yeah, I felt like it was very Buddhist or something. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. that's nice. That sounds nice. <laughs> so, but it was a good, it was a, I'm glad she said that to me because it also made me think, okay, I don't want to present this kind of front that is, is like, oh, I'm perfect. I'm this perfect gardener and nothing ever goes wrong. So I thought it was actually really helpful. And I thought, okay, I need to make, I need to check in with myself and make sure that I am not like, giving that aura off or like yeah. that sense of like, Oh, everything's perfect in my garden. It's like, I need to make sure I'm sharing that everything's not perfect in my garden. That's and, right. And never will be. People connect with imperfect, you know, they really do because they make mistakes too. So, I mean, right. we have found that people really con- connect with that type of, uh, that type of vibe. So, yeah. Well, Megan, we want to be really sensitive about your time on this Sunday after afternoon. This afternoon, I know where you... Well, it's afternoon where we both are now, right? I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Almost. But, uh, before we wrap up, I just wanted to uh, ask you, what is the best... You talked a little bit about your Facebook group. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Uh, we talked a little bit about me- your membership site, but what, where can they find that and also your blog? Yeah, probably through on my website, which is creativevegetablegardener.com. I have an email list that mm-hmm. I'd love for folks to join. That's one way to join my community. Um, you uh, you can join that on my website. I usually send out an email once a week, usually on Sunday with a timely gardening topic. Um and yeah, and then you can join my free Facebook group and meet some other gardeners. Those are probably the two the two best ways. I'm, I am definitely all about community because I think when you learn about gardening in community, you make a lot less mistakes and you have a lot more fun because we can kind of share the mistakes that we've made and try to warn other people about them. And then, yeah, it's just a lot of fun to learn from other gardeners. I've learned a lot from um, people in different groups and people that have even taken my classes and offered suggestions about what they've done. So it's kind of like a collective community learning and sharing of knowledge which is really fun that's awesome Awesome. all right well thank you so much for joining us today megan we really appreciate it and uh hope folks sign up for your newsletter and check out the book it is an awesome book thank you so much for for joining us today bye-bye yeah happy gardening planning everybody (laughs) thank you thank you Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Megan Kane. Again, we will have all of the links to everything we mentioned, including her website and her Facebook page, uh, out in the show notes. Mm -hmm. But before we sign off, we did want to end with a quote of the week, and the quote is from Megan's book. Larissa, you want to take that? Sure. Now, this is from Megan's book again, The Smart Start Garden Planner. And uh, the quote is, your garden should add to your life by bringing you more of the things that breathe color into your days, things like food, beauty, health, pleasure, and joy. 
That is awesome. And again, I am super pumped, super inspired <laughs> to get into the garden this, this year. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Until next time, peace out. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Vegetarian Zen. We've created a free resource for you to show you five ways to sneak more fruits and veggies into your diet. You can download it right now by visiting vegetarianzen.com. Until next time, wishing you a happy body and a healthy mind.